here, especially those of you that had to walk here. Respect coming through the rain. Um, so when um, it was announced that I was going to be stepping into uh, kind of the role of lead pastor, I mentioned that I wasn't going to be kind of like doing loads, loads more preaching. And yet the observant of you might have noticed I've been up here quite a bit. And uh, however, I'm about to have a few weeks off. So I'm going to kick this series off. And then uh, we've got some of my favorite preachers coming up. Uh, I've got Josie next week. We've got Dr. Gareth Jones the following week. And, uh, and then on the 2nd of February, we've got a guest speaker um, who's not too much of a guest if you've been around the Light Church. You've got Steve Whittington from Jubilee Church in Hull is going to be with us. And uh, so for those of you that love my preaching, that's just sorry for the rest of you. Oh, yes. Come back next week. And um, so let's get on with looking at this first priority that we believe God has given us about building a strong family here within the Light Church. And... Um, you know, when God made me in his image, which he did, as hard as that might be to believe at times, when God made me in his image, he hardwired me within my soul and my spirit, he hardwired me for love, okay? When God made you in his image, which he did, and again, sometimes you might struggle to believe that, when God made you in his image, he hardwired you for love. Now... I don't normally like this, but I want you to turn to the person next to you and say, I'm hardwired for love. <laughs> Go on, do it. Go on, John, do it. <gasps> I don't normally like that, say the thing to the person next to you, but I just couldn't resist that. Did anyone add the word baby on the end? <laughs> Woody did. Well done, Woody. You, uh, I'm not too surprised. Whenever, whenever I don't love, the image of God in me is fading slightly. And whenever I do love, the image of God in me is being expressed more and more. Now, sometimes loving is easy, okay? So, when I met, not Michael, although that was easy as well, Michael. Can I have the next slide? When I met... Oh, no, how has that not come through? How has that not come through? Oh, you know what I've done there? I added the photos in this morning. I can't have saved it when I sent it. Oh, it's a picture of Josie looking gorgeous. <laughs> of course, all pictures. Are. She might no longer look like an 18-year-old, but she is still gorgeous. Anyway, when Josie stepped into my life, loving was not hard, okay? It was just like, yeah. In fact, within three weeks, I had told her that I loved her. Her response, don't be ridiculous, you barely know me. <laughs> Sounds like Josie. And, uh, no, I do love you. It's like, you, you barely know me. I was head over heels. Loving was not difficult. We, uh, we, we went out for quite a few years, including working overseas for two years in the Dominican Republic. And, uh, <clears throat> and that all led up to the day where we got married, where our kind of like love reached, uh, yeah, that point where it's like, yeah, we want to do this thing life all together for the rest of our lives. Happily married, off we went, on to honeymoon. 
hardwired for love. Until, like a day or so into honeymoon. Now, it's the sort of thing where if we'd lived together or we'd done all the rest of it together before marriage, I'd have found some of this stuff out earlier. We all know that you dry yourself before you get out of the shower, don't we? Yeah, because otherwise you make a mess of the bathroom floor. It's just like, what is all this water doing all over the floor? And we all know that you don't, when you've got your wet towel, you don't then throw it onto the bed and leave it there for hours. (laughs) Suddenly, these people that said you had to work at love, I was starting to understand as we are going to have to live together. Don't worry, there were good bits of the honeymoon. I've got no photos of them either. But, um, you know, sometimes love, it flows easily. And sometimes love is a choice. You have to work at it. When you have to work at something, you need some encouragement. You need some people cheering you on. You sometimes need people to just say, you know what, you need to do this. You know, I don't want to do that, but you need to do this. Those of us that have brought up children would know a thing or two about that. The good news is that Jesus was a straight talker most of the time. Sometimes he's very confusing, Um, but most of the time he was a straight talker. And speaking on behalf of God the Father... He knew there would be some stuff that wouldn't come naturally. He knew that we would need some stuff that we would call commandments to actually get doing and get on with. So often we see in Jesus that actually he often takes kind of old commandments that we have read in the Old Testament as God was creating this new community, the people of Israel. We see him basically saying, yeah, kind of like that's important and that's important. Kind of, if, we, if I was to ask you what the two most important, those of you that have kind of followed Jesus for some time, uh, you would know that Jesus, he quoted Deuteronomy 6 when he said, yeah, you know, you just need to love God. You need to love God with all of your everything, of your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we know that. And the other one would be, be to love your neighbor where he's quoting from Leviticus. We're all pretty clear that they're number one and Number one, really, kind of doesn't differentiate between the two, both of equal importance. But we come across something in uh, the Gospel of John, which was uh, a guy called John, his, his written account of the time of Jesus, where Jesus says this. He says, a new command I give you. Okay? So Jesus has said at other times, you know, they've been like, what's most important, Jesus? And he's like, well, you need to love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and you need to love your neighbor as yourself. But we see in John chapter 13, Jesus is like, actually, listen up, guys. I have a new command to give you. Now, see that word command is not very popular nowadays, but the basic idea of a command is you do what you're told. Yeah? This is a bit of a moment 
where Jesus, and there are times when Jesus kind of comes alongside us like a brother. He comes alongside us like a friend. There's sometimes when he's a bit more like a parent and say, you really, really should do this. And there are other times where actually he's almost like, you know what, I'm the king of the universe. This is the way it's going to be. Okay? Listen to me. This is a command. It's not a suggestion. It's not even an encouragement. It is a command. Break this. I'm not going to be too happy, to be fair. And I've got a new one for you, ladies and gentlemen. What's it going to be? Now, of course, you probably said it all quickly. But I suppose he said, a new command. Drum roll. Thanks, Calvin. That's good. What's it going to be? Nervous anticipation. Surely it can't be different to... The, the greatest command, love the Lord and, and love your neighbor. What, what is it going to be? A new command I give you. Love one another. You can imagine the disciples being like, a new command. What's it going to be? Jesus is like, love one another. And they're like, oh. Is that, is, that, is that it? It's a bit like the other commands, really, don't you think? <laughs> don't you think it's a bit like the love? Your ne- That's quite similar, Jesus, to the other commands around loving your... No, 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 no. You're not listening. Love one another. Yeah, 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 love, love, love everyone, yeah? Yeah, love... Love all the people around us. No. By the way, I'm making all of this up, okay? Just so you know. If you're following along in your Bibles, I don't see any of this, okay? No. Love one another. When you see the words one another in the Bible... This is especially true in the New Testament, and it's mostly where it appears is in the New Testament. When you see the words love, if you see the words one another, or you see the words each other, it's referring to a group of people. And in the widest sense, that group of people is anybody who is part of the family of faith. So that could be people that are meeting in Sunbridge Road Mission Across Bradford, it could be people meeting at Fountains Church, it could be people meeting at St. Stephen's, it could be people meeting at City Valley Church across this city. But very specifically, he'll have been thinking that it is about your closest family of faith. And you see this so much. Here's just a bunch of very, very quick verses for you to throw up so you can see it appears a lot. Each other or one another. Build each other up. Encourage one another daily. Spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Do not slander one another. Don't grumble against each other. Confess your sins to each other. Pray for each other. Love one another deeply from the heart and live in harmony with one another. And the thing that I can't quite read properly because I've done the PowerPoint badly. Everyone's good at PowerPoints. I've got a job for you. Um, Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Now, hear me loud and clear. It's still really good 
to do all of that stuff to people that aren't part of the family of faith, okay? Don't kind of walk out of here and go, it's great, well, I can slander anyone as long as they're not part of the church. I can grumble against my neighbors. You know, all of this stuff is still really, really good to do to anyone and everyone. But when you see it there, they are specifically writing and talking to the church about how they are with one another. And so when Christ says, a new command I give you, love one another, you can imagine they'll be like, oh, okay. And Simon the Zealot, one of Jesus' followers, who was the Zealot, clues in the name, would look at Matthew the tax collector, who he's always had an issue with. Yeah, because he should hate him. Like, really? You want me to love him? The more self-righteous amongst the disciples, look at Mary Magdalene. You go, seriously? She used to be a... Well, really? Jesus is like, yes. A new command I give you, love one another. So it feels new. But there's another element of newness to this. There's another element that Jesus reveals in his next few words. A new command I give you. Love one another as I have loved you. Love one another as I have loved you. So it might have felt kind of, okay, that's kind of newish, but, you know, we kind of got that. But Jesus is like, no, actually, there is something greater here. This is something greater than maybe how you've loved each other for decades and centuries, your people, how they have loved each other. Jesus is like, love each other as I have loved you. Jesus has just set the bar as high as you could humanly possibly go. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. Let me just ask you a quick question. How has Christ loved us? Okay? I'm going to ask for a few people to shout out, but I'm going to do a little bit of an English grammar lesson first. Okay, how has God loved you? Not in terms of what he has done, but in the how he has loved you. So we're looking for adverbs, okay? Words to describe how someone loves. So you can't just shout out, he died on a cross. We know that. That's an example of it, but that's not the... So how... Give us an example of an adverb. So um, an adverb would be, I walked quickly, okay? I quickly walk. So Steve has gone for it. Okay, so it's a little bit like family fortunes. Uh, yeah, apart from I'm not going to do <coughs> on anyone because that would be not very nice. I've chosen three. Okay? I've got three. And when we get there, we can carry on the sermon. Okay? <laughs> Extravagantly is one. Sacrifice. Ooh, ooh, Richard sacrifices a noun. Sacrificially. There we go. Sacrificiously. What do we have over here? Sacrificially as well. Okay. 
lavishly, very good, extravagantly over here, fiercely, says the wrestler in the middle, unconditionally, deeply, continuously, selflessly, relentlessly, faithfully, eternally, truly, madly, deeply, that's three, I like it. There's a word that most of you have touched on in other forms. Goodly. <laughs> Any Donald Trump fans? Bigly. Um, pardon? Emotionally. So, the three that I went for. Bing! Sacrificially, unconditionally. And I use the word passionately, which really touches on lavishly and all of that sort of thing. These are the, th the th love one another as I have loved you. Love one another as I have loved you. There's a lovely picture of my mum and Carol Ball eating magnums at the 10-year celebration. Sacrificially, unconditionally, unconditionally. <laughs> always make at least one mistake per sermon, and passionately. If we're going to build a strong family, this is kind of how we need to be thinking and acting about how we love one another. As I have loved you, love one another. A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. And he says this, it's, it's recorded in John chapter 13. And then John refers to it again in John chapter 15 in another setting. It's very, very likely Jesus was a brilliant teacher. So he would likely have repeated the same things over and over again. So he could get it into the thick skulls of us humans. So in John chapter 15, he says this, almost, almost kind of word for word the same. My command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. And if you think about it, when he said, kind of back in John 13, when he said, love one another as I have loved you, what would... What, what, what sort of examples would they be thinking? What would they be basing that upon? Well, actually, those of you who kind of like know your Bible inside out, which, you know, I don't remember where things necessarily sit, but if you, John 13, if you dial it back just a few paragraphs, Jesus has washed his disciples' feet. An act of great sacrifice, an act of great service, an act of great passion where he made himself a servant. What he hadn't done, though, was the greatest sacrificial act. But when he said to his disciples, love one another as I have loved you, he will have had that in mind. He knew what was coming. He knew what love was going to look like from him. And that is why he goes on to say this. Greater love has no one than this. To lay down one's life for one's friends. This is my command. It's a command. 
as uncomfortable as it might feel to be told to do something, especially when you're a fully grown adult, which I nearly am, it's a command. This isn't a suggestion. This isn't an encouragement. And hey, I think God knows it's a command we're all going to fall short of. But I suggest that we all set our hearts and our minds in the direction of, you know what? I might fall short, but I'm going to give this a really, really good go. When we love each other, when we love one another, when we love one another sacrificially, when it costs us something, when we love one another unconditionally, when we don't just love those people that are like us, that see the world the same way as us, that are the same age as us, the same ethnicity, the same kind of social demographic, whatever it might be, when we do it unconditionally, people see something of God in us. When we do it passionately, and passion looks different for different people. It can be loud passion, it can be quiet passion. But when we love one another, we see God. We see his love, we see his grace, we see his patience, we see his forgiveness, we see his life, we see his spirit alive and well. And his vision. Because, as I said last week, we've spent 11 years as a church being very focused at the world outside of the church family. We're going to take a year to strengthen being church family. And while I say, when I say a year, this isn't do it for a year and then forget about it. This is a year of focused effort and intention so that we all get into some new habits that then become the way that we experience being family and experience being church. And Jesus said this in 13.35, in John 13.35. He says, then by this, so he's just finished saying, Love one another as I have loved you. And then he says, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. It will prove to the world that we are true followers of Jesus if we love one another. So whatever you're passionate about in church... Whatever kind of like it is about church that makes you, you know, if you're passionate about reaching the world with the gospel and God's good news and his love, which I hope you are, if you're passionate about that, start here. Love one another deeply. If you're passionate about discipling and equipping either new Christians or old in following God's truth, start here. Love one another deeply. If you're passionate about building family, about building community, start here. Love one another deeply. But more important than all of that, if you're passionate about Jesus, if you really love him, start here. Start here and love one another deeply. Now listen, 
as we go on this journey, don't expect some kind of overnight success and transformation. That isn't how you change things. Not sustainable anyway, as some of you who've given up on your New Year's resolutions already have discovered. It's small changes, bit by bit, over time, that will make this happen. And that's why we're going to take some time looking at this. We're going to have around three or four weeks just looking at what the Bible says, at the theology around why we are called to love one another. And then as we get into February, then we're going to start talking what that can look like practically. Practically. It doesn't mean that you shouldn't start now if you feel God speaking to you and moving you. But that is what we're going to be doing. We'll start by having our hearts and our minds shaped and molded. And then out of that place of new understanding, of fresh revelation, our actions will change. Amen.